and welcome to Kidacity, where we learn, share, and take action together. I'm your host, Samar Chitta. I'm 11 years old and live in Bengaluru, India. I'm also an aspiring author. Kidacity is a fun place for kids, like you and me, to learn about various topics that interest us. This season, we will learn about countries around the world, their culture, history, and most importantly, one problem that the children in that country are facing. From time to time, I will also bring inspiring interviews with adults and children. No learning is complete without putting it into action. So, at the end of each episode, there will be a segment where you can take action about the topic of that episode. If you love to learn and love to listen to inspiring people around us, you have come to the right place. Savatika and bonjour. This is episode 104, and in today's episode, we are going to a country, no, actually a kingdom, that is home to many, many Buddhist temples, exotic wildlife, spectacular beaches, and mouth-watering food. But before that, you must be wondering why I said hello in two different languages today. Well, the first one is a hint to the country that we're going to be talking about. And the second one is because it was recently Bastille Day. Bastille Day is the common name given in the English-speaking countries to the National Day of France, which is celebrated on 14th of July every year. In French, it is formally called the Fête Nationale Française. Legally, it is known as Le 10 or 14 Juillet. But why is it not called French Independence Day? Bastille Day is said to have been set in motion after the decade-long French Revolution, which fundamentally altered the French political and social life and influenced the foundational ideas of democracy across the world. Popularizing slogans such as Liberté, Égalité and Fraternité, Liberty, Equality and Fraternity. This was the day on which ordinary people stormed Bastille, a 14th century fortress prison in Paris, which was used to incarcerate political prisoners, the famous writer-philosopher Voltaire and infamous Marquet de Sade had both been kept at the Bastille at various times. And actually, you must be wondering, well, you know, the date you published it is now well into August and it's almost been a month since Bastille Day. And you would be right because my whole Gmail account got deleted. And not deleted, but it went missing and I could not log in. So finally, after, you know, trying several times, I finally logged in. And that's why my script is now here. But in that period of time, I actually also went to Sri Lanka, in which I had also made episode 102, The Pearl of the Indian Ocean. It was truly a very astounding and amazing experience to go to a country that, you know, I never actually thought about going to. I always thought Sri Lanka was a lot like India, and it is just like another island. But actually, Sri Lanka has a very diverse culture, history, as well as some beautiful beaches, and also a lot of beautiful tea gardens. 
We first went to Colombo where we saw all of the city, including the famous Gangaramaya temple, which was actually just like a five minute walk from our hotel, as well as the Colombo Lotus Tower and a really interesting temple that was, I don't know, very high. I'll post a photo of it in my Instagram. I really don't know how to explain it, but it is actually built over 40 to 50 actually 120 years old is what our auto rickshaw slash tour guide drivers said we saw the colombo lotus tower which was really beautiful and we also saw some really cool buddhist temples uh, like i mentioned the gangaramaya temple but my favorite one was one which was essentially towering over a, a road and had a beautiful view of the colombo harbor and I'm not sure how to explain it, but we had to climb up a bunch of stairs and then go there. And this was built about 140 uh, to 150 years ago. And that is a really impressive feat of engineering at the time. And I'm going to post a photo of it in my Instagram at raidsummit.chitta. So make sure to check it out there. After we went to Colombo and saw all around the beautiful city, we went to Kandy, the home of the Buddha Tetralic Temple or one of the many, because we saw one in Singapore, and apparently there's one in Kuala Lumpur, and it's all across the world. But this is actually one of the most popular ones. And the whole temple complex is massive. And, you know, we have to keep navigating through. And one thing that I noticed is that in all the Buddhist temples, however big or however small, there's always Buddha, of course. And there are also some Indian gods and deities like Ganesha, Rama, Shiva, Krishna, Saraswati. And I was really surprised to see this because I didn't know like Hinduism had such a big impact in Sri Lanka. But after that, we finally went into the main temple, which had some beautiful architecture. We lit some incense sticks and also some oil lamps. And we made our wishes and we saw, sadly, we couldn't see the Buddha Totralic actually in person because uh, at that time it was lunchtime or it was time to feed the Buddha lunch. So we couldn't see, but still we saw some really beautiful architecture there and it reminded me kind of like the Chinese architecture. But anyways, getting back, Sri Lanka was beautiful and I highly suggest that you visit and now, time to talk about our country. Well, of course, you must be confused, and even more so after I talked and rambled all about Sri Lanka. So one more hint is that this country is home to a particular type of flat noodles, named after this country. It's one of my favorite dishes, and it's actually best eaten, in my opinion, with peanuts. What country is this? If you guessed the country home to the wonderful, delicious Pad Thai, Thailand, you would be correct. Stay tuned to discover five amazing aspects about Thailand. Let's first get to know a little bit more about Thailand and its geography. Thailand is a main part of Southeast Asia. It is bordered by Myanmar or Burma in the northwest, Laos in the northeast, Malaysia in the south. It is also bordered by the Andaman Sea in the southwest and the Gulf of Thailand in the south. Thailand's capital is Bangkok. It's situated in the east. 
It is a bustling city on the banks of the Chao Phraya River, and it's known for its really, really cheap clothing. And I actually went to Thailand, but that was only for a day. And you know, it was a part of a layover, but we got to see a lot of Bangkok. We saw the Chao Phraya River. We went shopping in one of the famous uh, Thai Bangkok malls, which are bustling with, like, piled with clothes, and they're all really cheap. They're like. A dollar for like a couple, and if you go to Thailand, you definitely have have to shop for clothes there. The national language is actually called Central Thai, also known as Siamese, spoken in the central region, south southwestern and eastern Thailand. But of course, it's very similar to Thai, with about seventy million speakers around the world. Also, Thai actually has its own script, which is similar to Burmese and Vietnamese, as far as I have seen. But I really can't, you know, read Thai. And the only word I know how to say, like you heard in the beginning of the episode, is "savadika," which is "hello." Thailand has many industries, but the main are actually manufactured goods, electronics, vehicle and automobile parts, and. The main, main, main industry of Thailand is actually from tourism, because people flock from all over the world to see the beautiful beaches and all the Buddhist temples, etc., etc., and of course, eat the delicious mouth-watering food, which I'm craving right now. But it is the most visited country in Southeast Asia, with 11.5 million visitors in 2022. Some of the interesting sites that attract those 11.5 million visitors include. The Grand Palace, which is at the heart of Bangkok, home to King Maha Vajira Longkorn, which I'm sorry, and I probably pronounced it wrong. And for all the beach lovers like me, Phuket is the perfect place to visit, with crystal clear waters and mystical islands. And for people who like more offbeat, mountainous regions, the north is the place to go. If you go down the wide, winding roads. Come somewhat along the border of Vietnam and Laos, you would see the most beautiful mountains on earth, with a lot of waterfalls and the offbeat roads. Like I mentioned, it's just a whole experience. The history of Thailand is even more interesting. There are many sites across Thailand dating back to the Bronze Ages, which is fifteen hundred to five hundred BC, and the Iron Ages, which is five hundred BC to five hundred CE. Thailand was also part of the Maritime Trade Road, which existed about three thousand years ago. Thailand also used to be part of Funan, which was a name given by the Chinese cartographers and geographers to, at the time, Indianized state in present-day Southeast Asia. Because of the high presence of the Indian kingdoms, Thailand was heavily influenced by Indian culture and religion, like most of Southeast Asia. You can see this in the name of Bangkok's major airport. Which is named after the two Sanskrit words "suvarna" and "bumi," each meaning gold and earth. So, the airport's name is Gold Earth, which I think was the name given to by the Indian Maharajas to Thailand. Because I'm not sure, but yes, that was probably the name given by the Indian Maharajas to Thailand. These Indian kingdoms consisted of Dwarati, Srivijaya, and Khmer. The religion of Buddhism, Thailand's most commonly practiced religion, was believed to have come from King Ashoka of the Maurya Empire, 
and he actually also spread Buddhism to many other countries, including Sri Lanka, where his daughter actually came with the seed of the sacred Bodhi tree. It was all nicely decorated with a lot of grand pomp. And she came and she planted it and she spread Buddhism to the country, which is now Sri Lanka's main religion. Soon, more and more people started arriving into the country. The ethnic Thais, which is not spelled T-H-A-I-S, but T-A-I-S, started to arrive from Guangxi in China around 780. By that time, small city-states started to pop up all across the country. By 1238 AD, all the other Indian empires had left Thailand, except one, the Khmer Empire. It was soon defeated by the city-states, leaving the country up for grabs. Soon, the Sukhothai Empire was established by King Sri Indraitya. He had made the empire a strong and sovereign one. After his death, the kingdom briefly came under the power of King Ram Thangan, who established the Thai alphabet. But after his death in 1365, the kingdom fell into the hands of another emerging Thai state, the Ayutthaya Kingdom. The Ayutthaya Kingdom was in control. Its capital sat on an island encircled by three rivers. Due to its defensible location, it soon became extremely powerful. In 1511, Duke Alfonso de Albuquerque, the first Duke of Goa, dispatched Duarte Fernandez as an envoy to the Ayutthaya Kingdom, known then to the Europeans as Kingdom of Siam, which used to be actually Thailand's name for a long time before they changed it to Thailand. This contact with the West during the 16th century led to a period of economic growth, as lucrative trade routes were established. Ayutthaya became one of the most prosperous cities in Southeast Asia. Thailand was faced with many more attacks. During World War II, Thailand was invaded by many countries, namely Japan, France, South Africa, and New Zealand. But finally, after many invasions, Thailand was finally free. The Thai monarchy was established. Though it faced a few challenges across the years, it is now fully stable. And that is the history of Thailand. One interesting fact that you might have noticed is that after the initial colonization of the Indian empires, Thailand was never colonized. Though it kept shifting through the country, it was actually never fully colonized. Now, let's talk culture! Due to the many religions present in Thailand, from Buddhism to Islam to Hinduism and Christianity and many, many more, Many festivals from many different religions and cultures are celebrated. But the top three include Songkran. Songkran is the Thai Buddhist New Year. In this festival, the entire country turns into a water fight, somewhat similar to Indian Holi. Traditionally, Songkran is the welcoming of the Buddhist New Year, where the water washes away your sins. The festival is best enjoyed in Chiang Mai, where the water fun never ends. Number two, Boon Bang Rocket Festival. This festival is a merry-turning festival where a giant rocket is launched into the sky, lighting up the city sky with a beautiful array of colors. Number three, Thrang Underwater Wedding Festival. This is actually one of the most interesting festivals that I saw in my research, so I thought that, you know, I should definitely include it. Every year at this festival, you get the chance to get married underwater while wearing your, ooh, what's this called, scuba mask 
or the snorkeling mask and the officiant comes and you actually get married underwater which i thought was actually amazing the national thai dress is called chut thai which literally translates to thai outfit it can be worn by all men women or children now it's time for cuisine Thai cuisine is known worldwide for its delicious, spicy and coconutty flavors. The national dish of Thailand is called Pad Thai, which is a long flat noodles that can be made with any type of sauce. It's typically, like I mentioned, best with peanuts. But one of the most popular dishes in Thailand is the Thai green curry and red curry. It can be made either veg or non-veg and contains shrimp, chicken or vegetables or all of them together. This has a rich earthy and coconutty flavor and I highly recommend that you try it. Now, it's time to make a change. I saw this petition on change.org by Oipa International about people exploiting monkeys for money. Here's what it says. Monkeys are snatched from the wild, abducted from their families and their natural habitat. Most of them are illegally captured when they're just babies and trained to pick up 1000 coconuts a day as they're treated as coconut picking machines. The poor poor captive monkeys are often tethered by the neck with a rigid metal collar or kept chained and forced to climb up and down trees to collect coconuts that are not even permitted to eat. They're exploited until their labor is no longer useful to the industry. This made me feel very angry as monkeys are animals with such high intelligence and they should not be exploited the wrong way and now actually it's not a part of the script but it just came to my mind that i heard this story there was this um man in malaysia he went to some sort of park and a monkey snatched his iphone and then after a while somehow he found it back and when he looked into the camera roll it was all selfies that the monkey took himself and now that is absolutely incredible so you should never miss out a monkey and actually you know some of you may think that you know these petitions are useless and um they're not actually true but in my sri lanka episode i raised awareness about a petition people you know exploiting wild That is all for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider clicking on the subscribe or follow button on the podcast platform you are listening to me on. And don't forget to check out my Instagram and Twitter at @summerchitta for the latest news about my episodes. Until next week, goodbye and Jay Hind from Curiosity. <laughs>